Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton and Chad Withrow. We're back. Final hour of OutKick 360 across the OutKick network, live in our 6th and Peabody studios downtown Nashville. With Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer, I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton out today. He will be back tomorrow. Armando Salguero in as our special guest co-host today on Outkick 360. We've been having a blast so far, two or three hours down, and we got a big third hour ahead for you. A lot of NFL news. We'll have some college football discussions. We'll take a full look at the NFL playoff picture as we approach the end of the regular season as well. Plus... A prank done by the San Francisco 49ers with a rookie dinner, but that prank will inspire maybe some stories from Armando Salguero about what he's heard about rookie dinners in years past and years covering the NFL. But first, Armando, I want to discuss a story that links both college and the NFL. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic is writing in one of his recent entries, The Athletic, that Jim Ursay is very interested in Jim Harbaugh as the next coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, we all know the story a year ago with Jim Harbaugh and the Vikings going through the process, interviewing. He was very open about it and said, something I wanted to do. I wanted to explore NFL options again, but now I'm recommitting to Michigan. So it wouldn't be a stretch to think that if he did it last year, maybe he gets interested in going back to the NFL again this year and leaving Michigan uh, what do you make of this, Armando? And what do you think about the first go-around with Jim Harbaugh with the 49ers and what that may mean for his possible second go-around back in the league? Right. So Jim Harbaugh has already spoken with Jim Ursay. I can't tell you that they've spoken about the job, the head coaching job, because um, I believe the Wolverines were in Indianapolis, were they not? For they the were. Big Ten. Big Ten Championship, and they they talked. Um, I also, my understanding is that Harbaugh has said, I'll be coaching Michigan in 2023. So I don't know if that is written in stone or not. I do know that eventually Jim Harbaugh wants to be back in the NFL. And honestly, of all the coaching candidates that are out there, Jim Harbaugh has a field to me of a Doug Peterson, uh, who is doing a great job with the Jacksonville Jaguars, has brought professionalism. You know what you're getting with guys like that. They've been there. They've done that. You know what it's going to look like, as opposed to the hot coordinator and even the, the, the former head coach who's in the media now who's come wants to come back uh i.e sean payton um to me jim harbaugh is great in 
small increments. And what I mean by that, Chad, is if you're thinking you want to coach for the next five years, he's your guy. Because it seems that after that time, things go a little sideways. He wears on people a little bit and because he's a hard charger. It doesn't affect Michigan because what happens is every year they cycle through different players. All the time they are cycling through a new class and the guys who are here uh, in 2020, they're not going to be here in 2023 or 2024 generally. So that works. But in the NFL, especially with your good players, you could have your good players on your roster five, ten years and – Dealing with Jim Harbaugh for five or ten years can wear on some people, or it has in the past. Armando, are you under the belief that Jeff Saturday, while he won't be the head coach based on results when he took over, that he will have some sort of role with the organization if he wants? Some sort of role, but probably not in the coaching staff. The next coach is not going to want the interim coach probably on his staff unless he has ties to Jeff Saturday. And we got to remember, Jeff Saturday, you know, he was offered the offensive line position with the Colts prior to being named uh, the interim head coach. He was offered it twice in the last two seasons, and both times he turned up down because he wanted to, you know, pursue other endeavors, including being a pundit on ESPN. Here's what I would say to you. The new coach should have free reign over who he picks on his staff. If you're a new coach and you're being told already who people on your staff are going to be, uh, that doesn't that's not always a winning formula. That's not always how it speaks to someone not of a high caliber that has to accept that. Right. And and I think if you're talking Jim Harbaugh Jim Harbaugh, wherever he goes, he's going to hire his own staff. Don't you think? Yeah, and I think any to your point, you bring someone in that you know, you're putting stipulations on their staff, they've already lost. If they're willing to take the job under those circumstances, they're already not strong or powerful enough to be successful in the NFL. So when you put restraints on them, I'm with you. You're hiring someone, you're hiring someone that's going to bring in their staff, do their thing, college or the NFL. Another college NFL storyline. I, I just I'm going to throw this up against the wall, and by the wall I mean you here, Armando, and you tell me if it sticks or not. Bill O'Brien was a successful coach in the NFL. Where it went sideways was when he became a coach and executive in the NFL with the Houston Texans. But there was a lot of success there as a coach. I don't think that the love between him and Alabama and Nick Saban and their fans. I don't think it's mutual. Uh, It looks like I believe Bill O'Brien wants to get back in the NFL into some capacity. If that's not as a head coach, what do you think about the prospects of Bill O'Brien as an offensive coordinator back in the NFL, specifically working for a guy that he once was his boss, Mike Vrabel, who may be looking for an offensive coordinator if they part ways with Todd Downing with the Titans? I'm throwing it up against the wall seeing if it sticks, does it stick at all? It absolutely sticks, and not just in Tennessee. It sticks in New England, where Matt Patricia is a great 
de- you know, defensive play caller, defensive coordinator during the Super Bowl years. But I was looking at Matt Patricia on the sideline the other day with his play sheet, and I and I tweeted out, "Oh, look, there's Matt Patricia dialing up an, a blitz for his offense because that's what his expertise is. He is not a good offensive coordinator. He, it, that's not his depth." So Bill O'Brien, who was at that position and did succeed there, that's an option. Also, and this is an outside option, right? Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they, Byron Leftwich was a very hot commodity as a coach. He may have waited too assistant. long to take a job, it looks like, the way things are going. Yeah, he did. He was the, the, the top candidate in Jacksonville. And he wanted, you know, the general manager to be out so that he could come in with a new general manager. And that wasn't happening. So he didn't get that job. And now the Bucks are averaging 17 points a game and losing more than they're winning. So he's not hot. The question is, if Tom Brady remains in, in uh, Tampa, does Bill O'Brien, who had a good relationship with Tom Brady, knew how to get Tom Brady points with that work in Tampa. Uh, that's a possibility. Yeah. So I, I bring this up, and this is not me saying that the Miami Dolphins don't have a really good fan base or a big fan base, but when I think of you know nations of fans, Steelers Nation, Cowboys Nation, Packers Nation, I don't always think about Dolphins Nation. Yet here's <laughs> Tua Tungavailoa leading all – uh, all players in the fan vote for the Pro Bowl. Um, 306,861 votes for Tua leads all of NFL players in the fan vote. And number two is Tyreek Hill of the of the Dolphins. Third, Mahomes. Fourth, Justin Jefferson of the Vikings. Fifth, Travis Kelsey. I was surprised to see this, Armando, not because I think they're bad players, but... When I think of huge fan bases in the NFL that would lead a fan vote like this, I don't think about the Dolphins being a part of this. Did this surprise you down in South Florida? Well, so there's two things going on here, both at once, and this is the reason that it's happening. So, first of all, this year, the fan vote, um, vote, V-O-T-E, is I think down a little bit because people, there are some people who recognize that the pro bowl is not really happening. Okay. Uh, it's the pro bowl vote, but there is no pro bowl game. And what we're going to have is pro bowl games, plural, where they're basically going to do the pajama Olympics, Yeah, you know, the flag football, the throwing contests, the, the 40 yard dash, the, the, the stuff that has nothing to do with actual real football. I remember when they had the, the beat the beach football game, like the one or two years, and they got I forget who it was, but someone got hurt playing yes. beach football and then it <laughs> went away immediately. Game. I can't wait yes. until they have like a velocity contest. Cause I'd love to see that. I got the NHL skills competition, they have the slap shot, see the fastest slap shot. I'd love to see NFL quarterbacks with a with a velocity machine, you know, a radar gun throwing the football, but the moment someone pops something in their elbow doing that, it's going to go away forever. Forever. And, oh, by the way, 
the velocity machine, Joe Montana would have been a disaster. Yes, he would. But, you know. Pretty good quarterback. Yeah. So great measure of quarterbacking. What I'm saying is that because the voting is a little skewed in some places, that opens the door. And also there's this phenomena in South Florida and around the country, really. Uh, it's called Tuanon. And what it is is these people who are diehard Tua Tunga Vailoa uh, advocates, uh, drones, zombies, fans, lovers, you know, they, they're just fanatics about Tua. And they will do whatever is necessary to number one, lift him up, and number two, cancel, destroy, uh, criticize anyone who criticizes Tua. So those people are voting, and you know, as we do in Dade County, voting often, and that's that's another reason why I think Tua and, by extension, Tyree Kill, who both deserve a lot of votes, by the way are getting what they're getting. Armando, I want to talk about college football in the state of Florida with you. You're, you're down there in the Sunshine State. Normally, it's really easy to kind of look at the state of the state and say, okay, this is the program that's leading the way right now. You know, here's where the other one is. There's one that's way behind. I look at things, though, now with Florida State, Miami, and Florida. Florida struggling in year one with Billy Napier. Miami really struggling with Mario Cristobal. Both of those programs, though, recruiting very well. Transfer portal is is really good for both of them. Florida State has kind of slowly been on the rise under Mike Norvell. When you look at the state of the state, what are some of the things that come to mind? I guess we can start there in South Florida with Mario Cristobal at Miami, who, when he was hired, felt like a no-brainer fit for that program. Right, and as it applies to all of them, Chad, when you have a bad team with a national uh, name and national rec name recognition, which I think we all agree, Florida State, Florida, and Miami all have national sure. name recognition, right? Sure. They've all won national championships. They all had their so-called reigns. When you've, you're fielding middling to bad teams, you can offer something that Alabama can't offer. Georgia can't offer, uh, Michigan can't offer, Ohio State can't offer. And that is, you're going to play. If you're really good, I guarantee you, you're going to play. And Nick Saban isn't going to a lot of houses uh, and guaranteeing a four-star that he's going to play because guess what? His next stop is at a five-star's house playing the same position. And the stop after that is at another four-star. Nick Saban doesn't recruit, you know, one, two, three stars. If you're not great, Nick Saban's moving on. And the same with Kirby Smart. All those programs, Jim Harbaugh, Ohio State, Ryan Day, all those guys, they are loaded and everybody knows that they're loaded. So they can't say to you, come and you're, you're in. Whereas Mario Cristobal and these other guys, Come, and you're in. You're starting something. And as we learned earlier, when Nick Saban goes from the one five-star house to the other, he then stops off at Drake May's house and possibly offers him $5 million to transfer from North Carolina 
to Alabama. I kid, but not really. Um, let's go as far away from the state of Florida as possible and discuss the temperatures for this weekend's NFL games, Armando. We have a graphic here, a tweet from uh, Field Yates that covers the NFL with just how cold it's going to be this weekend. These, these are all feels-like temperatures. Bills in Chicago to take on the Bears, minus 11. Seahawks in Kansas City to play the Chiefs, minus 6. Saints at Browns, minus 9. Now we're going to get into plus above zero games. Texans in Nashville to take on the Titans, 5 degrees. That is going to be, I believe, the coldest game in the history of whatever they've called the stadium over the years here in Nashville with the NFL team. Falcons at Ravens in Baltimore, 7 degrees. Raiders, Steelers in Pittsburgh, Saturday night, 4 degrees. Armando, you were at a cold weather game on uh, this past weekend on Saturday night in, in Orchard Park. What is the coldest game you can remember covering? In your history covering the league, is there one that really stands out above the rest? Yeah, there was one. There was a – it was Buffalo. And there was um, – I remember on the plane – um, as we landed, the pilot tells people, do not, you know, spend too much time outside, get, get to your rental cars or get to your cars as fast as you can. Uh, because if you're spending too much time outside, there's going to be, you're liable to get hypothermia. And I'm thinking, what the heck is hypothermia? What is this thing? <laughs> I had to go look it up, and it's like a true South Floridian when you're asking that question. Your freaking insides are freezing, and no, thank you. I don't want you know my bladder to freeze because my bladder is holding liquid. Uh, so no, thank you. I don't need a a, a chunk of ice urine, okay, <laughs> inside my body. Yeah, that, that does not sound like, uh, you know, I've passed a kidney stone before and that hurt, but I feel like ice urine might hurt even worse if you're, you're inside. Your, your innards froze because of hypothermia. What, what's the coldest you've ever... Uh... So I, I would say um, I remember being at a game here in Nashville in like 2006, 2007, and it was in the 20s and it snowed a little bit on a Monday night football game against the Chiefs in December. But coldest I've been... A few years ago, Titans in Kansas City in the AFC Championship game, and it was sunny, and it certainly wasn't. It's not going to be as you know cold as it was or it will be this weekend in Kansas City, but it was probably teens or 20s, even though the sun was out, and my phone was dying because of the cold. You could not keep a charge on your phone because of how cold it was, and I remember waiting on an Uber and watching my phone battery die and thinking, Armando, I'm going to die if this Uber driver doesn't find the spot I'm in right now. And I'm calling him over and over while also trying to conserve battery while calling him. The guy barely speaks English that I'm talking to, doesn't know where to find me. I'm watching him circle the block probably a quarter of a mile away, can't find me, and I thought I might die. I thought I was going to have to break out the window of a car, go in, find a blanket in, the back, in someone's back seat, and huddle up because it was that cold. Those damn foreigner Uber drivers, don't they understand? <laughs> it was By bad. Way, we're doing the next segment in Spanish. <laughs> yes, please. Well, hey, I'm all about growing the base here at Outkick 360, Armando. Whatever we can do 
to expand the audience, I'm all for it. So all Espanol when we come back from Armando Salguero and all NFL playoff talk. We'll take a full look at the complete NFL playoff picture and more when we come back. This is Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer. With over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros, Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network on this Tuesday, coming to you live from our downtown Nashville studios with old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Always a great day when we're here at 6th and Peabody. Terrific crowd on hand, even on a Tuesday, even on the week of Christmas. People flock to 6th and Peabody for the old Smoky Moonshine, Yeehaw Beer. Having fun today also with special guest co-host Armando Salguero. Big thanks to him. 35 minutes left in today's show. Uh, Armando, you're two hours and 25 minutes into your stint as a special guest co-host. Your thoughts up to this point, has the show gone by fast or slow in your mind? Yeah, I just want to know how many of of the the network uh, people have just basically said, I'm done with this. They put this schlub on there and <laughs> we're, we're getting out. We're exiting this uh, agreement. If Outkick 360 could put this guy on, not worth it. Well, they're probably saying, why is this schlub uh, hosting with this great guy down here that's on remote on Zoom right now hosting? And who, uh, who needs him? That's what they're saying. Uh, look at you. They're also saying, you when, when carried does, me the whole time. Your all, back must hurt from carrying me the whole time. Armando, they're also saying, when does Hutton get back? That's the other thing they're probably saying right now. And the answer to that is he'll be back tomorrow, Hutton away uh, with a, a death in his family. Wishing him and the Hutton family well as uh, he is in uh, Virginia right now and will be back on tomorrow's show. Armando, let's get back into some NFL talk and take a look at the playoff picture right now as it stands. Always fun to look at what the matchups are. This isn't obviously written in stone for the end of the year, but if the season ended today, 
what the playoffs would look like. Starting in the AFC, you got the Bills with the number one seed and a bye, and then Chiefs versus Dolphins in a 2-7 matchup. I think this is terrific in a first-round playoff game. Not terrific for the Dolphins. They <laughs> no. would go there and, and get pummeled. I mean, it's like, uh, look, we were talking about cold-weather games and how the Dolphins went to the Bills, uh, to Buffalo last weekend, and as soon as it started to snow, the Bills rallied in a come-from-behind victory. It can be colder in Kansas City than in Buffalo. It doesn't necessarily snow more, but it can be colder. And, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a different, different altogether matchup. And Travis Kelsey is a different altogether matchup. When you look at the Dolphins, you know, three, three straight losses now. Are you concerned they're going in the wrong direction? Or is it just a difficult patch in the schedule at this point? What do you see with this Dolphins team as they, they try to hang on for a playoff spot? So uh, I learned this term a long time ago when I first learned English, Chad. Regression to mean. And basically, you know, you see it in the NFL all the time. You see guys starting the season that you don't expect, and they're like blowing up. They're, they're doing great things. They're MVP candidates. Yeah. And then the season goes along. And guess what? People come back to who they really are. And teams come back to the who they really are. And sometimes teams that start slow go up to who they really are. Ultimately, at the end, we see who they really are. So, who they really are. I think about this with the Chargers. Because we have been hyping up the Chargers for the most part. You know, for the last couple of years. Justin Herbert's very good. He made some terrific plays on, on Sunday against the Titans. But I look at where they are right now in the sixth seed, Armando. It, it's still a team, even against the Titans, they win at 17-14. to 14. It's like they're lighting up the scoreboard. They can't run. They can't stop the run. Herbert's very good. But here they are as the sixth seed right now in the AFC playoffs. What do you see when you see the Chargers? And is that a team that you would put in the category of you don't want to see them if you're a higher seed in the first round? No, I put them in the category of they wasted Drew Brees, they wasted Phillip Rivers, they're wasting Justin Herbert. If this past weekend Mike Vrabel had been coaching the Chargers and Brandon Staley had been coaching the Titans, that would have been a 35-7 to, to, to seven game in the Chargers' favor. I'm not a big fan of Brandon Staley. Uh, I... I just don't buy him. And they're wasting Justin Herbert. It's just the, the idea that they put every single game on him when they've got so much talent. And Brandon Staley, by the way, is a defensive coach, right? That defense is bad. They're bad. So what are you doing? You're wasting yeah. your quarterback and you're wasting the defense that – Signed Khalil Mack and, you know, has one of the Boza kids, although, you know, Boza is injured. So, and, and look at, speaking of bad, 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 that 4-5 matchup right now are two teams that look at this point bad, bad, bad with the Ravens and the Titans. Titans, keep in mind, they lost by two scores at home to Jacksonville 
it is shaping up that it's going to be a win and end scenario in Jacksonville final week of the season between the Titans and Jags to win the AFC South. So Titans there right now, but if you're looking at the trend line <laughs> with the with the Titans with four straight losses and what the Jags are doing, certainly in the favor of Jacksonville and the AFC South, Armando Titans, they don't have any offense. And now they're probably going to be starting Malik Willis at home against the Texans team that's looked better. They're not any better than this one-win Texans team right now, the way these two teams are playing. It's, a, I think, a toss-up in Nashville on Saturday when those two teams get together with Malik Willis and not Ryan Tannehill starting at quarterback. Yeah, what a difference, uh, you know, a month makes yeah. or two months make. Well, think about that they win can't... in Green Bay. You know, the thoughts yeah. you had about the Titans in, oh, they're rounding into form. They're the defending number one overall seed in the AFC. They may become that again, and then they just went way downhill. Well, then the offensive coordinator got drunk, Yep. and the general manager got fired. And uh, the a owner went. A lot has happened since that game. You're right. Yes, it's so strange that 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 team, which seemed to be the classic stable franchise, the classic um, no distractions, hardworking, lunch pail, disciplined, hard charging, physical team, and they're just coming apart at the seams. And, you know, I, I feel bad for Mike Vrabel because I still believe he is, if you were to kind of enumerate all the, the, the head coaches in the NFL, that guy's a top five head coach in the NFL, in my estimation. Yeah, it's, it's almost like if chaos was a four-lane highway in, in the NFL and cars are speeding by and all this wackiness is happening constantly – the Titans were the organization that would just wisely sit on the sidewalk, stand there, calmly watching the chaos happen, and then inexplicably they just threw themselves into traffic with the John Robinson firing, with Todd Downing, with everything else, and said, no, we want to get into that chaos also. Let's get right in the middle of the highway and get splattered. That That's what the Titans essentially have done. I would say to you that it would be better for the Titans not to make the playoffs because, let's face it, they're they feel like a one-and-done team. You don't expect Ryan Tannehill to, to suddenly become non-playoff Ryan Tannehill. You don't expect that, you know, that offense to just find magic. And if they're playing, you know, dynamic quarterbacks and mostly in the playoffs, they're going to face dynamic quarterbacks. You've got them facing Lamar Jackson now. It's it's not it's not sustainable what they're doing. What is sustainable is find a way to reload with some high draft picks and a new general manager. And if you're going to have to do it, you know, just lose now because oh by the way, Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence are coming. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you know next year start Malik Willis. Uh, trim some fat on the roster, trim some salary, go draft a left tackle with your first pick in the first round this year and gear up for 3-14 and 14 a year from now and drafting a quarterback with the top four or five picks in the draft in 2024. I think that's where this Titans team is headed. What they'll probably do is think that they can retool a little bit and add to the roster and be competitive again, and they, they might. 
They might finish around 500 again next year if they do. You know, some of the right moves, but I'm with you, Armando. It's time to reset with a new GM. Let's reset and look at the NFC playoff picture now as we move from the AFC to the NFC. Eagles, 13-1, and number one overall seed. How about the Commanders, Armando? I mean, they were dead earlier this year. Percentage chances to make the playoffs were so low. Here they are right now as the seventh seed. That team's a fraud. I don't <laughs> buy them. They're a fraud. Well, here's, okay, we talked about this with the Giants, too. So that game on Sunday Night Football, Giants win. I could say the same for both at 6-7 and seven right now. It doesn't say a lot for the NFC, but I don't know that I really believe ultimately in the Giants or the Commanders. They're both good stories because I don't really see it. Other, If I'm looking for a uh, superpower, you know, on any of these teams, it's probably the commander's defensive front when healthy. But outside of that, I just there's not a ton to like about either of these teams right now, I, I don't think. Yeah, the difference between the commanders and the Giants, though, right now, Chad, is that the Giants are in the first year of their building program. So that's the first a first-year head coach. That's a first-year general manager. The personnel department is in their first year. This is a team that on the rise that has already met a certain level. The commanders, I mean, that, that's been supposedly being built for a while now. Um, it, it, it's not a new program. This isn't their first year together. And yet they still haven't figured out the quarterback situation. Heineke is a great beer and, and all of that. But, you know, he's not it. Let's face it. Great story, great beer, not it. And neither is Carson Wentz. The, the 49ers, Armando, maybe, maybe they're it. Uh, everything other than quarterback, they've got with that team. And somehow... Kyle Shanahan can make it work with with Brock Purdy, who I know we had you on last week and talked about the moxie of him. There's something about him. There there is an it factor with Purdy that exists that makes me a believer in this Niners team, even in the playoffs. Regression to mean Brock Purdy regression to. We're gonna see. I I, I guarantee you. Okay, hold me to this. Take this little segment so that you can throw it up in my face the way you throw Detroit up in my face, and and rightfully so, by the way. Brock Purdy will have his moment where he looks like what he was, Mr. Irrelevant. Cinderella doesn't play in the NFL. I'm sorry. The last time Cinderella played in the NFL was 2001 with Tom Brady. Here's the weird thing, though, about Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers. They had a quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo that won the NFC, got them to a Super Bowl, but wasn't good enough to beat who? Patrick Mahomes, a great quarterback in the Chiefs who won in that Super Bowl. What does Kyle Shanahan do? He says, I'm a great coach. We're, de- we're developing a great roster. Got a good defense. Got a good run game. Got some good receivers. Need to upgrade at quarterback. Trades up. Drafts Trey Lance. Trey Lance doesn't work out in year one. Gets hurt early in year two, in walks back Jimmy Garoppolo, and they keep rolling right along like a steam engine. And then they lose Jimmy Garoppolo, and Armando, it's like quarterback doesn't matter 
to Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers, they may be the one franchise that's QB immune, where everyone else has to have the quarterback in order to win the, the ultimate trophy. Again, though, I, I get it. They haven't won it yet. And they've been there once. But what an experiment we're witnessing right now with Purdy. And I agree with you. He's going to have a bad game at some point. He's going to look like a seventh-round pick at some point. They're quarterback immune playing in the NFC West, where the Rams are terrible this year, where Arizona was terrible this year, where the Seattle Seahawks are faking like they're a good team with Geno Smith, and they're not a good team with Geno Smith. Geno Smith is not it. And everybody's going to hate me for saying that. Geno Smith is Geno Smith. And the San Francisco 49ers have the best defense in the NFL. Not only the best in that they statistically are the best, they kick the crap out of people. People emerge from games with the 49ers, like limping and with bandages around their head and shoulders in a sling and, you know, on crutches and walking boots. But you can't win the big one with that formula. And I think Kyle Shanahan knows that. And that's the reason they gave up two first round picks and two second round picks to have a quarterback that could get them over the hump. Let's look at the NFC South right now. It's the bucks in, in that spot hosting a playoff game. Could be the Panthers Oof. could, could be anyone at this <laughs> point. It's such a bad division, but when you look at that division, let's say it's the bucks right now for, for the sake of this argument. Is this a possible team that I think about that Marshawn Lynch led Seahawks team that was seven and nine, that everyone made fun of that division. They got in the playoffs, hosted a playoff game, and beat the Saints in the game where the place got rocking with a long Marshawn Lynch beast mode run. What could the Bucks be that team and win a playoff game? Or is this simply whoever gets out of that terrible division is going to be a sacrificial lamb? for whoever's the five seed. Yeah, you know, there's something weird about the Bucs. I've, I've covered, a, a, I would say, three, maybe four of their games this year, and there's something that's not there there. It, it, I don't know if it's, if it's the message isn't getting across to the players from the coaches. I don't know if the coaches necessarily all the time put the players in the best position to succeed. Something is not translating and their offensive line is beat up and it wasn't really good to begin with. And their defensive front seven, which the last couple of years has been so great that they've led the NFL in run stopping this year, they're turnstile to runs. And so again, the only reason we're talking about the bucks is because Tom Brady's the quarterback yep. and everybody else in the division is terrible. Is Todd That's Bo the only reason. Is Todd Bowles a one-and-done possibility? I hope not. He's my friend. <laughs> Which makes it difficult for you to answer, but I mean, I, I think there are three right now that are possibilities. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's a probability at this point. Yep. And I yep. think uh, Todd Bowles, and who am I leaving out? The third one I talked about yesterday. There's a third one out there now. I'm blanking on the, the third. Oh, uh, Lovey Smith. I think it would be the only other one that's a possibility to be a one and done. The, you know, you, you've seen Lovey Smith, of course, right? Yep. 
You've seen pictures of Lovey Smith? I've seen both the pictures and moving images of Lovey Smith this season. Yes, with the beard. He looks like freaking Father Time. Yeah. He doesn't. Like, you know, Dan Dockage on other time about the Indiana basketball coaches need to coach more on the sideline. I'm watching yeah. him in the entirety of the game they played against the Titans, where it's the worst offensive. It's one of the worst offensive exhibitions I've ever seen in any football game, NFL or anywhere. And I'm thinking, what does he do? I mean, it almost looks like God doesn't need a headset on. He wasn't speaking. He just kind of stood there looking out, gazing on the field with his beard, almost stroking his beard, you know, throughout the entire game. It, it was odd. He, he, you know, the Texans have been for, I would say, three or four years, a really bad franchise. So they hired Fire Father Time because Father Time is undefeated. And yet they found a way to beat Father Time because Lovey Smith is terrible uh, with the Texans. They fight hard. They play hard. But number one, they don't have enough talent. And number two, they don't have a good enough quarterback. Those are bad things to, to, to struggle with. Certainly less than ideal. Let's take a quick look at the, uh, the, the wild card picture across the league uh, on both sides as we look at AFC and NFC wild card picture. Um, I, I'm looking at the seven seed right now and thinking about, you know, who's the who's the team that's going to contend with them, Armando? Will it be in the NFC, the Lions? Will it be, you know, someone else in the AFC? Who's it going to be in that spot? <laughs> I, thought we gonna, I thought we were going to see it, but I guess we're not. No, you're you're trolling me. All with right, the well, Lions we don't we don't have it. So hey, we'll go ahead and go to break. We'll come back. We'll try to find that graphic. If not. Armando, I'm going to tell you about a hoax with the San Francisco 49ers with a rookie dinner, and I'm going to ask you, worst story or best story you've heard from a rookie dinner. That's coming up next. This is Outkick 360 on the Outkick Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. Final segment of the show. Really fun. Outkick 360 today. Armando Salguero has been our special guest co-host. I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back tomorrow. Thanks to everyone here at Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer for hosting us each and every day. Davey Hudson, our executive producer. Davey, we were talking NFC South and just how bad it is. You've got a little more information on just how bad it may end up. Well, the thing I'm rooting for the most right now is there are several possibilities in which all four NFC South teams finish the season at 7-10. and 10. 
uh, which has never happened in the history of the NFL. And, I mean, even if you go back to before they added the 17th game. But, I mean, if that could happen, it looks as though for everything I've been able to run through, the Carolina Panthers would be the team to win it. But you just want to talk about chaos, four teams, same record to end the season with what is arguably the worst division in all of football. It's just beautiful to my eyes. It, it's it's lovely, and uh, what a note to end on with uh, the NFC South in this season. If they could all finish seven and ten on the season, it would it would be uh, poetic justice for that awful division. Uh, Armando Salguero with us right now. Armando, so Outkick got got a little bit last night, but I, not the only media outlet that did. There was a fake video going around from Eric Armstead about a 49ers rookie dinner that the bill was over $300,000. I immediately sent this to Davey, and you can see the video right now with the tab, and he said, yeah, this has already been like proven that it's not real, and it wasn't that much. And I think Eric Armstead later came back and clarified that it wasn't real. But, Armando, you know that these rookie dinners, it's, it's a rite of passage. Uh, what is the craziest story you've heard in terms of rookie dinners? Or is there one that uh, you know stands out to you more than others? Well, you know it's weird. First of all, this dinner actually only cost like seventy five hundred. Yeah, yeah. They came back and said right? there was no way we spent three hundred forty something thousand dollars. Right. Right. The what what the veterans did to the rookies was, uh, in fact, they had the waitress make up a fake bill to hand them the bill to the rookies to see them have palpitations right there in front of them. Uh, but it didn't, it wasn't legit. <laughs> the, it's a pretty good prank, who, by the way, to have fake, uh, the, the fake tab drawn up to make everyone freak yeah. out even more. Yeah, no, fair. That is a good prank if you're on the uh, pranking end, not the prank E end, but, you know, because the guy who was being pranked, he makes $700,000 this year. Can you imagine, oh, you live in San Francisco and, you know, you're basically uh, with California and taxes, you're at maybe four fifty, and now you've got a $300,000 dinner to pay. Have fun. <laughs> Enjoy playing for the 49ers. Um, and to me, these dinners are great, but I remember the politically incorrect NFL Mm-hmm. When go you know, on, You've, you got my attention. Like when veterans would do things to rookies, yeah, not just take them to dinner, hazing. And I think the thing that I cannot get out of my brain, out of my memory, is the haircut that Tim Tebow got as a rookie, where they made him look like Friar Tuck. <laughs> yes, that's. That, to me, was the best rookie hazing prank of all time. Armando, uh, you're the man. Thank you for doing this today. It's been a pleasure co-hosting the show with you throughout the afternoon. Really appreciate it. Terrific job. And we'll have you back on next week for your regular time, regular spot on Outkick 360. But I I appreciate you chipping in today. Oh, it's been a a pleasure of mine to be your caddy today, star of the show. And, uh, you know... Uh, thank you so much. The real star of the show, Jonathan Hutton, uh, he'll be back tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow with more Outkick 360. Thanks, everyone.